Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 188. Coming to you live from the inside of Albert's possibly twisted mind. Possibly twisted? Probably. I don't know, Albert. I don't want to make any sort of <laughs> accusations. I'm not sure whether or not you favor gloom or doom in there. I haven't been inside your brain. <laughs> and I don't want to admit anything about mine. Cheerful gloom and cheerful doom. Not the bad kind. <laughs> the positive kind of gloom and doom. Well, I think as with many things, it all requires just a little bit of balance in the cerebria. Uh, <laughs> boy, and how many references to today's game is that there? Wow. So that was a fair number. <laughs> I'm doing pretty yeah, well. But... Hello, everybody. Today we are Hello. going to be talking about Cerebria, the Inside World. And in case our opening chat wasn't quite clear enough, the basic theme and gist of Cerebria it's is Albert's brain. Albert's brain, although it's it's unnamed whose brain you're in, but you are inside some random person's brain, and you are either action. Excuse me. We, we all know it's my brain, really. We all know it's you. That's true. <laughs> um, but when you are inside the brain, you are either gloom or bliss. Essentially, happiness or sadness, I think, is more basically it. But good emotions, positive emotions, and negative emotions. You're one side or the other. And you are fighting to make this person's emotional makeup be more gloomy or more blissy. Okay. And, and, and it's got to be one or the other. It be, well, it doesn't really. I think that, as with many things, a mix is usually how it ends up. And in fact, there is an expansion available for this game that I'm not going to be covering in this one. The expansion actually involves the balance faction, where the whole goal is to have everything be even. Um, I'm not going to be covering that today because the balance faction is not solo friendly. There is a solo mode for this game. You cannot use the balance faction for it, so I'm not going to mention it anymore. Wait before before you stop talking about it. <laughs> Wait, glo- <laughs> gloom, doom, and what is the balance faction? Just a second. It's gloom oh. and bliss, and bliss. I'm going to let you guess really hard the name of the balance faction. Um, uh, shoot, it, apathy? No, balance. Ba- oh, <laughs> balance. Duh. The balance faction is called balance. It's called balance. Yes, Albert. <laughs> it's funny. You've- You've nailed it. So, yeah, so let's not bother with the expansion. That, that that just does not apply to this show. Indeed not. And this is already a very big game, so we're going to have enough to talk about just between this. So, um, I believe that covers the basic general idea. Let me talk a little bit about the components. Mm-hmm. They are large, lovely, and voluminous. <laughs> Um, I do have the Kickstarter version of the game. I'm familiar with what comes with the retail edition of the game. I'm going to be trying to talk about both. For the retail version of the game, so you have, there are four spirits of gloom and four spirits of bliss. And each one of them has a full color standee uh, that you'll be able to use and put around the board. The board is a table filling giant board with a bunch of spaces all around it. There are five sections to the main board. And there's a centerpiece that's going to be spinning around the board called the origin. And that'll be spun around as you're drawing power or currency from the middle of the board or your turn. And at certain points of time, whenever any one of the five slots for the currency of the game called willpower. But whenever you one of those currencies runs empty, you do a brief little scoring round, see if you're able to score your objective. 
and that will uh, determine whether or not you get to put a little fragment into the center of the board, which are these plastic, thick, chunky pieces that stack into kind of like a click tower, and they go in the center of the board. So as you're building it up and approaching the end game, it can be create this pretty dominating tower in the center of the game. Um, those our plastic pieces have a dual purpose that the other part of the game, they can be put on various other places to do similar type things. Additionally, each spirit is going to have a personal player board while each team has their own team board. Um, this is a game played obviously in teams. You are either on the team for gloom or on the team for uh, bliss. And because you're playing with team, you can play between Obviously, you can play solo, but you can play between two to four players like that. So you can either be one person on a team or two people on a team, in which case the two of you will theoretically talk and strategize and figure out how best to beat down your opponents and make more bliss slash gloom come out over the course of the game. Mm, Um, In addition, there are a whole bunch of tarot-sized emotion cards, which you will be pulling out onto the board. And these emotion cards are going to be used as the area control of those five different uh, sections. So you'll be putting out these emotions, and periodically you'll be powering them up with another currency for the game called Essence. And the Essence is how you power up your emotions, make them more or less powerful, or theoretically attempt to defeat the other person's team. Uh, the other team's emotions, rather. So these tarot cards are primarily just there to showcase some beautiful art. I think probably the mm-hmm. start of a regular card would have worked just fine and cut down on the gigantic size of this board. But no, tarot cards are just fine. They can be tarot cards because they're huge. <laughs> yeah, and the art really is worth showing off because it is pretty. It is worth showing off. I do not disagree. I do think that they went way overboard on just absolutely overproducing the heck out of this game. It is gorgeous, and it gets even more overproduced if you have the Kickstarter version, which comes with uh, painted, or which comes with theoretically painted, but possibly just large minis for the different characters. And if you paint them, one of them is even with a translucent instead of a solid one for a fiery type look to it. Oh, and okay. then it just gets even more overproduced and just even more, in my opinion, gorgeous. They they have put a lot of work into making sure that this looks beautiful, um, including having the full board just have so much icons to it. Um, if you've ever watched the movie Inside Out, um, which is a Pixar movie, personifies the idea of what it is to be inside a person, have all the emotions warring. So they went with that theme although i'd say that they went a lot farther away from making the emotions look anywhere near human and made them approach possibly either fairy-like if you're bliss or monstrous if you're gloom and Mm -hmm. just way far away from the tack of that but still the idea of what these emotions would look like with more anthropomorphization yeah, you could get you get a sense of what the emotion is from looking at the picture sometimes. Just, sort like of. Said, yeah, sort of. <laughs> Maybe if if you see me two and you could you could often I, I don't know it, it's really interesting. I think if I showed you two and gave you their names, you'd be able to say like you'd be able to do mix and match. Yes. But if I think I sh- yes. if I showed you one like for example the big fat man the uh, happiness I think is just straight up what he is delight excuse me the the big fat man guy. 
Um, he's a, he's a giant round roly-poly sort of happy-looking spirit. And I would show you that and say, identify what this one is. I mean, you'd say, happy? <laughs> because he's got a big smile. <laughs> but, like, I don't know if you'd be able to go, oh, that's that's um, delight or love or empathy or harmony. I'm not sure you would necessarily immediately associate them with it. But once I tell you, hey, this is delight, and you're like, oh, it's delightful. It looks it. So mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And that holds through also to all the other emotions, because all the other emotions, all of them are named. And each side comes with um, eight different uh, mild emotions, and then each of them has a leveled up form. So there's a whole bunch of emotions, all bunches of different art, all of them very much helping to bring home the theme. But that's not even all of the components that they have. Just to throw in a couple more components for how things work. Um, there are also the tokens used to denote whether or not you're in control of the realm or in control of the frontiers, which are the two different types of area control of the board. And also there is a point counter token, a ambition token, which is sort of like a currency. Um, in order to generally do things that attack the other players sometimes for superpower up type things you have to be able to spend ambition and ambition is a team uh currency so there are three specific tokens that are set aside for the ambition lastly there's also um vibe tokens and the vibe tokens are definitely something i want to talk about because it starts to possibly weigh into maybe my one major critique of of everything going on in all of this vibe tokens are each of the different emotions not the spirits the emotions have a different vibe and there is red yellow green and blue i really know quite what those mean in terms of in terms of naming but there's red yellow green and blue emotional vibes and the vibes make a big difference because in order to attack another person's, another team's emotion, you have to show that you have the same color emotion in your hand. Also, in order to level up any of your player board actions, before taking that action, you can discard an emotion from your hand to put a matching vibe token on your board. So each of the five different actions, excuse me, there's five different actions from the board and five different actions from your player board. So each of the five different player board actions can be leveled up four times, but you cannot level them up twice with the same color vibe. So you have to know what's in your hand. Okay. For the most part, it's not a problem to identify if your vibes match one another, because being able to tell on your player board is fine. The biggest problem becomes that the red, yellow, green, and blue icons differ from the bliss side to the gloom side, because on the bliss side, just as an example, the red is a heart. But on the gloom side, the red is the sort of like twisted flame type icon no indication of the two of them no way of connecting or plugging that one goes to the other and the biggest problem with this is if you have a colorblind player colorblind there's mm-hmm. it's not colorblind friendly very much and because of that because although there are the icons so that theoretically you'd be able to identify separately which icon goes to which i can tell just from the icons that they're different 
but I can't tell that the two red icons pair because they have different icons. Even if the game would have come with some sort of reference card, which I think that someone should probably create. When I've had a colorblind player, I will just set up, quote, reference cards by lining them up. Um, but even if it had a reference card, the biggest problem was that if you're considering attacking, picking up the reference card really means I'm going to try and attack you. Here's a very clear indication for who and what I've got yeah. in my hand about whether or not I can. Like, I've, I've got you're telegraphing. Very much telegraphing. The biggest comment on telegraphing is that this is a team game. To a certain degree, everyone has to agree not to listen to conversation with the other side. And I try to make that as much as possible because when the other types have a discussion, I will often just try to talk with my teammate, even if I'm not saying much of particular note, just to sort of like ensure that there's blockage so I'm not listening, actively not listening. Mm -hmm. So I guess telegraphing isn't so much of an issue. But when it comes right down to it, they really did not need to have the icons be different. Those set of icons be different, Bliss and Gloomside. They could have come up with something else. They could have done something else to make that more immediately clear that red matches up with red since they don't have the same icons. They only have the same color. That, that does sound like a bit of an issue there. Mm -hmm. Barring possibly that one critique of the components, the rest of these components are very nicely done and voluminous. I think probably your biggest issue is going to be organizing while I actually 3D printed a little organizer to insert into the organizer that's already included in the box just to make it easier to organize everything. Just because everything is, there's so much of it. There's so many things <laughs> going on for this game. Yeah, I believe it because, you know, I haven't played this game or anything, so I decided to look at the rule book. And I was overwhelmed by it. It's, it's so huge. There's so much to this game. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about... It's... I, I mean, I think we've discussed that. Let's talk about the, the gameplay and the rules then in that case. Okay. So one thing to point out for the rules is that there is the, I'm going to say, basic game. The basic game. And when you're playing the basic game, there's a number of decisions which are cut out. Probably I'd say the main, most important decision is cutting out any pre-game decisions because you do have that whole deck of emotion cards and you do have the different player characters. Each of the player characters, the spirits, and each of the emotions does something different. And ideally, if you're playing on more advanced levels, you get to pick your, your spirits, all of which have special powers, and you get to make a deck before you start the game, so deck construction, of which emotions you want in your deck, in which quantity, things like that. So theoretically, you can be like, I don't want any reds. I'm going to go totally blue. That's a dumb thing to do. But you can load your deck up with just two colors if you want it. So I bring that out not because it's a good strategy, but that there's a lot of flexibility for what deck you want. Mm -hmm. Is that a drafting thing, or you just pick not drafting. You, you do deck construction okay. before the game, which requires that before you start the game, you be familiar with all the different emotions and how you play the game. Mm -hmm. I have said many times when I'm introducing games, it is a very bad idea to make someone make decisions before you start the game. So in the basic mode, it just tells you, here's your deck, here's your spirit. All the spirits do not have special powers. You cannot upgrade your emotions, so you only need to know like half the deck of emotions. Um, and 
it's a much easier version of the game because it removes the upgrade path from it. So it's taking away a whole player action. So instead of having 10 player actions, there's only nine player actions, which means there's just one less thing to have to juggle. And it turns, because you're taking away one thing from the game like that, it makes the game take a shorter amount of time. That Mm. whole basic game is relatively well conveyed over the course of the game. They have a lot of different boxes pulling it out. So like you've talked before how you do not like how many games have you teach one game and then you have to go and learn the solo mode separately with this one. It seems very much that they knew you were going to need the basic game. So right there, when you're learning it, it's probably easier to set up the basic game from the rules than the main version of the game, just because of the amount of callouts and the amount of stuff you would have to skip if you weren't doing the basic game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have as much problem with that in a multiplayer game because usually that they introduce that in the rules throughout the rules and say, oh, ignore the rules in red until you're, you're, you've played the game once or twice. You know, or some, they'll say something like that. Or they'll have it as advanced rules in the end as an appendix. But but the the simple version of the game is still a viable game. I'm not sure fine. because I know I've been playing like Isle of Cats and Upkeep. Uh-huh. For example, both have the family version, which is what I tend to call like either family or basic versions. So both of them have easier rules lighter versions and in both of those cases they're separate this one did not put it separate this one very much moved through and kept clear everything that's in it that said the rules are the rules are pretty clear for a game this complicated um it's it, it's a, it's a difficult game to understand everything, and I think that's probably true even when I'm explaining it to other people. Like it takes a good fifty minutes just to set up the whole game, even, and that's even when you're playing it solo, possibly longer solo, for sure, longer solo. It takes a while to set up the whole game, and then it takes a while to teach the whole game because there's that close interconnection between the ten different actions and what it is that you're doing on the board. In addition, the main way that you get currency and advance to the scoring phase is the free actions. There's an 11th action you have to explain. You explain that action before you do all 10. And it's, it is it is a highly complicated game. The rules make it as easy as possible. That being said, like I would easily say this is in the complexity, a level of, of approaching, you know, even made mage knight or something like that um, mage knight has more complexity because it's got a whole bunch of different things and such that come up over the game so if, but understanding the basic rules of mage knight is probably similar to the basic rules of this and okay it it takes a fair amount of work to understand all the different things that you have to do i do think that once you do get it down there's a excellent little one player reference card um, that each team gets that consolidates down all of the rules. And then there's a reference book for all the different emotions. Once you have down what all the different actions can do, once you've understood it all, the fact that they can then summarize it all on a single reference card probably highlights that once you get it all, it goes really easily and really smoothly. Once you're once you're playing the game, the game can go very fast. So I think that a lot of the time is spent 
sitting strategizing like how to win, but actually playing the game is very fast. So I think that about covers the rules. Albert, did you have any other comments on rules? I you know I tried to read the rules. Um, they were so long. It was it was uh-huh. overwhelming. Without you know just having the rule book and and no board or anything to look at, just it was too hard. And then I was overwhelmed because. It's a 30-page rule book, right? It's 36 pages. I'm looking at it now. Okay. But then there's a separate rule book for the solitaire rules on top of that. So you have You're to right. first learn the multiplayer rules to learn the solitaire game. You very much do. And I <laughs> haven't even begun to discuss the solitaire because I think that the solitaire mm-hmm. here is approaching the order of a different game. Is it? Okay. Approaching. I'm not sure if it's quite there, but I'll get to that when I get to the solitaire. I've not even started it on solitaire. <laughs> I hate to say <laughs> it. I've not even started it. And we're still talking mostly well, about the multiplayer. Yeah, so, so this is a, a definitely a big complex game because we're we're 20 minutes into this conversation and you know, we're still somewhere halfway through the multiplayer rule book. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean it is it is a huge complicated game, which I think like you look at how big the board unfolds too. Like I've got a four by six table, when I unfold the board, it's taking up the majority of my table. It's a big board and the the complexity of the game and everything that comes with that, like it's commensurate with the size of the game. It it very much is. You know? This is a gloomhaven yeah. type game. It's it's a big game. So it's not just big for the sake of being big. It, it, it really is a big game. It does it does take up a fair amount of your mind. And I think that okay. probably the team aspect of that to a degree helps. Um and perhaps I'll come back to this later. Uh, but I do think that the team aspect ties heavily into being able to hold and mess around with all of that involved. All that being said, let's discuss a little bit more of the gameplay and some of the more specific things of that. Okay. So let me talk about the basic way that you score in this game. So each team has a small deck of objectives. And then there is a shared um, global objective. And every, we'll call it a round, but every scoring round, you will uh, shuffle up your objectives and then you and your teammate will look at the top objective card to see what it is. And you'll keep that secret. And then the shared objective, the one that's shared between the two teams, um, that is public. There are five pools of willpower in the center of the board. As a free action on your turn, you can take theoretically two willpower from your board. There are some effects that will allow you to increase the amount that you get out of a pool, but the basic is you get two. If you pull willpower from one of those pools and it empties the pool, you immediately stop and do a scoring section, a scoring round. And everyone will flip over and show what their objectives were. You'll then assess and see if you got both scoring objectives done, both the shared objective and your team objective, you'll score a big piece into the center of the board. If you only completed one of them, you'll score a little piece into the center of the board. So theoretically, it's possible for both teams to score a little one. If you didn't score any, you get a catch-up bonus. If you scored, if you, the other side scored a big one, you get a catch-up bonus. But that runs the whole thing through. And that's the main way you get points, because at the end of the game, assuming you're not playing with like the most complicated versions, um, at the end of the game, each one of those pieces is worth a certain number of points. So whoever has the 
best and most amount of pieces in the center of the board will win the game. Okay. Do we have the basic way to win the game down now, Albert? It sounds simple. Sounds simple, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to run you through it, and you're going to understand quick enough about this. So, But that's that's just the free action you get with the free action triggering of the scoring round. Most of the common objectives involve having, for example, a whole bunch of adjacent emotions or being in control of either the frontiers and the realms. Frontiers are what allow you to get bonus willpower when you're drawing it. Um, Each of the sections will alternate between a realm and a frontier going around the board. And your emotions will have a certain amount of power when you play them. So if you play an emotion to the board and it's got one, so theoretically it's contributing one power towards control of the realm and the frontier that it is closest to. The other side can block or add power to that same realm and frontier so they can try and contest it or gain control of it as well, or even enhance and get more powerful emotions. Um, When they do that, when they get that emotion on the board that allows them to potentially gain controls of the realms and the frontiers, and a common objective is to have more control of those realms and frontiers. The purpose of the realms is that, as I mentioned, there are five player actions that are on your board and five actions around the board itself. Um, Whoever controls a realm gets a one willpower, so one currency discount to be able to take that action. And the ones around the board are the ones that really help you essentially just get more of the various different currencies. You can get more cards, more will, more emotions, more willpower, more essence, which is the currency that you use to put on emotions, um, or be able to further empower other emotions on the board to put more essence on other emotions. So those are sort of the ones that let you just get more stuff to do more stuff around the board. So being able to do that cheaper is very helpful in addition to being able to control the area control game. With me so far, Albert? Mm-hmm. You then have a couple actions that are going to be on your board. Mostly these just involve the same type of things we've been talking about. The area control is just being able to put out emotions or trying to be able to delete the other person's emotions. There's a specific action on your board for moving, which actually costs willpower to be able to move around the board. There is also an action for being able to put out these uh, fortresses, fragments. So we've talked about the fragments that go in the middle of the board, the big ones and the little ones. One action that you can do is you can actually put out fortresses, which is putting these fragments on the board itself instead of in the center, and those will add to your power in the realm or frontier that they're near to. Actually, it only adds to the realm. But it'll add more power to the realm, so it's primarily also used towards the area control. There's a slight bonus that if you can work it out well, if you empty out a section while it's adjacent to one of the fortresses, the fortress does go in the middle, Mostly, I think that's just sort of a nice little bonus. But that is another one of these objectives, which is just having a bunch more fortresses out than the other player. Um, and then, of course, there's the empower function, which lets you level up the other the emotions that you already have out. And mm-hmm. for the basic game, again, don't do that. <laughs> just don't put that one out. Don't use that one. Um, because that involves a whole bunch more experienced emotions. And I think it's probably one of the more difficult and overwhelming things to do, especially if you haven't played the game before. Gotcha. Okay. And that's really all the actions that there are. So you're just using these nine or 10 actions 
to complete your objectives around the board, do area control on the board through these emotions that you're putting on the board, to be able to put on score points into the center of the board, and you'll continue through your deck of objectives. When the shared objectives run out, that triggers the end of the game immediately, and whoever has more points on the board wins. Okay, sounds simple enough. (laughs) Right, like I said. So... It's a complicated this, game, but can be simplified down to its core. Mm-hmm. So is this game... Do, how's the theme on this? Does it, does it make sense when you're playing the game? Does it feel at all thematic? Because I'm looking at the art of the board, and it is, it's kind of surreal. It doesn't look like a mind or anything. It, well, I mean, pretty all of it is surreal. Let me ask you the following question. Did you feel that... Mm-hmm. Did you watch the movie Inside Out? No. Do you feel nope. that there were really little people inside your head telling you to do things? <laughs> no, I guess not. So I'm not quite sure but how I... how realistic you can make this theme when there aren't really little people inside people's heads. <laughs> like real <laughs> brains don't work this way. So no matter what, like how thematic can you be? Is it beautiful? Can you really get the idea of a battle for someone's mind? Yes. Do I feel like I'm in a more surreal version of the movie inside out. Yes. You really do feel like you are either bliss or gloom. And I think it's a lot of the art, which helps enhance that thematic nature. I do not think that it's the gameplay mechanics that help bring out that nature because this idea of being able to have emotions controlling specific realms and the, the war for the mind. I'm not sure that really struck me. But the idea of having all the emotions sort of running around in your head, that certainly does come out because of how appropriate and well-executed a lot of the art is. Okay. I guess the problem I had with it, I don't mind the abstraction in it and all that, or the abstract art and whatnot, but there's terms in the game that seem almost random and pointless. You know, it's like they come up with ways to describe something that's relatively basic. Did was that hard to keep track of, or did you find it easy enough to follow anyway? You'll notice that I've avoided using as many of those terms as possible <laughs> okay. as I've been explaining that. For example, okay. um, the uh, the currency that you spend to attack other players is ambition. The currency that you spend to be able to take actions is willpower. Points are technically called intention. Um, the vibes are the colors on the emotions. Um and the um, objective cards are technically called aspiration. So all of that has a whole bunch of terminology that I do not use. Instead of uh, playing a card, you invoke an emotion. Instead of attacking another player, you quell an emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've said, like, I know I called it a fortress. but Yeah, really, that, that confused it. me when I was looking. Mm-hmm. I just call it putting out a fragment on the board, using make That's a fragment. A lot of these, like it's it's the Netrunner problem is commonly what I call it because Netrunner, if you're familiar with the game, very much did the same thing. Like it didn't want to call it a hand. It called it a grip because that was more Netrunnery and it wanted to do all that sorts of stuff. <laughs> okay. It very much wants to do the same thing. It wants to call every single thing a special type of thing for whatever reason have you. 
some of them are required. Like you have to call mm. like a, a section of the board. Like you can't call it a neighborhood. It has to be something. So they call it either a realm or a triad, <laughs> depending upon which division you're talking about. It's like some of these things have to have specific names, but yeah, not calling it an objective yeah. card, calling it an aspiration card does not really help to grok all of the different types of things. Very similar to how Netrunner doesn't. But once you do get it, like it's a lot of fun to be able to say all those terms. <laughs> so did all that terminology slow down the learning much? Did, do you feel it's a, a, a major hurdle or just a, a, an inconvenience? It is an inconvenience. It is annoying. Okay. But it is annoying. I'm, this probably could have been mentioned back during the rulebook section. It's it's not going to be straightforward for anybody, I think. I mean, it's it's more straightforward when, I, when you're learning from someone else because when you're learning from someone else who's trying to teach you, I don't use all those terms. Maybe right, if you yeah. would learn a second game, I would start to say, oh, our aspiration is this, and I'll throw it in there. So I'm like, aspiration, that's the objective card term. Then I'm like, oh, neat, and move on with it. Or the back of the rulebook mm-hmm. has a whole bunch mm-hmm. of icons glossary. So if someone's bored, they'll start to read through like, oh, neat, it's called an aspiration. Oh, that's cool because that's an objective yeah. for a line. That's something you aspire for. Oh, neat. And that's great for multiplayer game, but when you're doing all this solo, that then you have to go through all that yourself. And yeah, I imagine no. that's what you went through when you learned it because you learned it all. I did. You didn't have somebody and else. And that possibly it. adds to why I continue to say it's a difficult game to be able to get all of the yep. rules. Once you do, it simplifies down to core components. I, I guess my concern was it, it's obviously that these terms are going to cause some problem. My my concern was how bad are the problems? Is it just the level of inconvenience, which is fine, or is it something much more monumental? That sounds like it was just an inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. Which is okay, so that's good. That's Especially good since a lot of them, once you start playing the game, move to iconization of these things. So they don't call it an aspiration card. They just give you the little picture of what an aspiration card icon is. At that point in time when you read over it, um, you'll just read over and be like, objective card in your head and be like, I don't care about all these special names. Yep. And it doesn't look like there's much in-game text either, much at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's minimal. There is some, okay. but yeah, it's definitely minimal. They do a lot of an iconization, which helps with a lot of that. Mm, okay, nice. So let me talk about, I think, my final thoughts for the multiplayer version of the game, and then I'm going to talk about what changes for Solo. So for my final thoughts for the multiplayer game... I very much enjoy this game. I think it is an excellent game. It is very fun to play this as a team game. There are not enough cool team games like this, which really help everyone without doing a whole bunch of super different style gameplay, like root type stuff where everyone has a very asymmetric board and has to sort of have teams like that or asymmetric, like empire versus rebellion, like star Wars types games. This is Mm -hmm. just a team game where it, they're they're copies of each other for the most part both the sides are are balanced it's just that i'm on my side you're on your side i'm working to go with my partner and we're teaming up to do that i very much like that it brings something really unique and a lot all of these actions and different things all tie in so well and although i'm give you have a lot of options you have one objective to complete maybe two. You're looking at what it is that you need to get done and you need to get done as soon as possible. So you will often, especially once you understand what your options are, you will look at your objectives, you will turn to your other player, your your other teammate and be like, we need to get this done. Here's our plan to get this done. This plan may not work for more than just this one turn, but here is our plan to get this done. 
And it very much mm-hmm. helps you focus intensely on what it is that you're doing without really causing you to be overwhelmed by having those 10 different actions. You do have them. You do have the ability to use them, which means that there's a lot of tools and dials and flexibility and things you can do, but it helps maintain focus on the game to keep things going. That being said, if you are the sort of person who can get overwhelmed with a lot of options, there's a lot of options here that can slow the game down. And I think more so with a game like this, because there's four players and each one of them has to consider their plans and those plans can be so easily interrupted or so easily recreated. If you're doing four players and you're not always chatting with the other player, you're going to be sitting there for a long time being like, is it my turn yet? Dear God, this (laughs) is taking forever while they're over there just chatting it up, figuring out what they're going to do. I'm sitting here just waiting and you will have a horrible time with that. You have to enjoy the team aspects and team elements or play it two player because in all honesty, it's a whole lot of fun two player. I think it's much more fun if you're playing a multiplayer being social with an actual team, but it's a lot of fun playing two player as well, but do not play this multiplayer unless you are willing to enjoy sitting around and talking to your team. It really brings it home and everything interlocks and interweaves so nicely to keep you focused on getting that objective that all that tied together with the table presence for this game means that I really, really enjoy this multiplayer. Hmm, Okay. Okay. Yep. Let's, let's talk about solitaire. And now we pull out that 30 page rule book. 10. We put away the 30 page rule book. Now we're going to take out the 10 page rule book. Only 10 pages. Okay. Only, Only 10 pages to go through the solitaire game. So, Albert, when you're playing with the solo mode, uh, it's called the ego. <laughs> the ego is, I hesitate to say Altama, the ego is a cheating AI. <laughs> oh, those are the worst. A cheating AI that will do stuff on the other side of the board. And what happens is you take 12 operation cards, shuffle them up, and then alternate them. So one's face up and one's face down. Uh, not face up, face down. One is is up and one is down. Like you, you're you're broaching them 90 degrees. Um, ah, okay. So when you flip it over, one looks upside down to the other. I'm not quite sure. Yes. Right. You're, you're rotating when you... Yeah. Not, not yeah. flipping, but rotating. Yeah. Um, and... Th- Every round, you will have one that you're looking at, and it'll pair with the second one at the end of the round, which will determine the exact action that you do. But because you're always able to see one, theoretically, you can sort of maybe a little predict what it's going to do. I will admit this game is complicated enough that I'm not able to think ahead <laughs> to predict which what to do based on the three options that it's going to do, especially since one of those can also just be like, Never mind, I'm just going to do my other stuff that I can do. But <laughs> it will continue to do those things. And it doesn't spend currency. It doesn't do any of that sort of stuff. It takes currency straight out of the central pool. Um, and even when it has to draw willpower from the central board, it generally will discard all of it or all but one of it. <sighs> so it just does these things. And its actions are not as efficient as yours and not as well planned out as yours and not as good as yours. So you will, before it cheats, be able to beat it. Not really a problem. 
Hmm. Nice. If you're beating it, what it will instead do, we've talked about how you will continue to draw willpower, so currency, from the center of the board, and when one of those empties, you'll trigger a scoring round. It will also, during its turn, draw currency from the middle of the board, whichever one it can reach. And it can sometimes cheat about moving in the middle of actions, things like that. Um, which is, that's a minor cheat. But it will pull currency from the middle of the board. If it's if it's losing, it will draw one of those currencies into its currency, its personal currency pool. And then when a scoring round actually triggers, it will spend currency, it'll spend that willpower to reduce your scoring in the scoring round. So for example, if the scoring is control the most number of realms and you're like, ha, I've done so well, I've got three out of five realms controlled and you've got none out of five realms controlled. Neither, neither, neither. You're not doing very well at all. It'll be like, well, I've got three willpower. I'm just going to spend and your three is now down to zero. Just just considered for the purposes of the scoring round, it's down to zero. Doesn't actually change the board. Doesn't actually give it like bonus actions or actually do anything to the board. So in a heartbeat, it all returns back to normal and I back into control of three. But for that one second, you're considered to have zero. It spends all its currency to do that and you do not score. You don't get the score even though you're technically winning. What a cheat. It's a really cheat. That's not a power. That's not acting like a regular human opponent. That's not how the regular humans play. It just cheats. Therefore, in order to beat it, what you have to do is not waste time. Because if you take as much time as you want, it's really easy to beat it because it's not smart. It can't act smart smartly. Sure. It can't act smartly against you. Mm-hmm. It does not take well-measured actions to be able to consolidate whatever objectives it really needs to do or be able to fight back against you like a real human opponent does. So therefore, if you're able to take the time to leisurely destroy it, you will leisurely destroy it. But because each turn, theoretically, it can continue to gain willpower, it can just use those willpowers to set you to zero or even give it pluses. So if it had enough willpower, not only would it set you down to zero, it would just set itself to one with that willpower and score on you. Okay. So you have to move fast. Now then, that is what you would have to do against a regular opponent as well. Because if you see an opportunity with a regular opponent, you take that opportunity as fast as you can. And sometimes that means you're taking risks. You have to be like, I don't know if if I'm winning on whatever their round their objective is. I don't necessarily know if I'm winning on the shared objective. I think I am. But I'm going to rush it right now hope I get this done. And if I don't, at the very least, we've neutralized everything for these set objectives. We'll, I'll, I'll get first chance to react to the new set of objectives because I'm doing it the very first thing in the beginning of the round. So I'll have three actions left to respond. And uh, hopefully I'll uh, get the upper hand on being able to get to the next set of objectives. So you do very much have to keep running with the other one, which is great when you play multiplayer. It keeps the game moving. But with this one, mm-hmm. you're just trying to keep running to prevent it from gaining up enough of its special currency in order to cheat and not play like <laughs> a human. And I hate it. <laughs> That's a strong word. Excuse me. I'm going to take that back. I don't hate it. I very much dislike it. Cheats. 
I, I very much <laughs> yeah. just like that it cheats. It is a cheating AI. Automa Games, like I, I hate to refer back to Automa, but Morton has such an excellent principle for how Automas work. And they're so delightful to play against because it still feels like you're playing the regular game without having to spend a bunch of time upkeeping a computer. Yeah, and they you don't should, cheat. And they don't cheat. You automate out yeah. all the regular stuff an opponent does and only have to interact with the stuff that an opponent would do to mess with you or to mess with the shared space. I understand that's very hard for a game of this level of complexity. I get it. I'm with you. But <laughs> I I just I I really like the game and because I like it so much playing multiplayer, I deal with it, especially since it's on my shelf and I do really like playing it. I deal with a solo mode that cheats and that doesn't actually do stuff I can affect without just rushing and not playing the game normal you have to you essentially have to react differently to the ego than you do to a regular player because you have to be like mm-hmm. I, I know i'm winning three to zero that don't matter right now because it took too long to do it <laughs> like for the right you want to like i'm winning three to zero now's a perfect time to launch nope you took too much time you have to win four to zero and it cheats and it's so annoying that it cheats yeah are you able to prepare for the cheating much or is it just the only preparation you can do for the cheating is not let it cheat um it primarily only cheats when it's not winning either the personal goal or the shared goal if it's winning it doesn't cheat (laughs) which not much of a a competition (laughs) if it's winning it doesn't sound like a real person i know it really does but if it's So you can either try and balance it by letting it win by just a hair until you're ready to spring out and win the whole thing, and then it won't have an opportunity to cheat, or by just making sure that it's that you're going fast enough that it doesn't have enough time to build up a pool of cheating ability. And, <laughs> and that's it. I mean, I what what is it called? Maybe it has a nice term for how it works with this cheating. Other than cheating? Other than cheating. No, it doesn't even call it. It just says it (laughs) it reduces what it is. It it doesn't even give it a nice, cool term, like an aspiration or I don't know what you would call it. (laughs) (laughs) Cheating. It cheats. It's the ego you're playing. Yeah, and the ego just cheats, isn't it? The ego ego just cheats. And it doesn't play like a regular player, which means that to a degree, you kind of have to ignore some of your normal tendencies when you're playing a normal human opponent playing a normal game. The problem is, is the game is so lovely and it's so much fun to play, but playing the ego's turns are not lovely. Here's, here's another one. That's an issue because there's so much stuff that's going around the game. You have to, whenever you're taking an action for it, you have to figure out which one works the best for it and do that one. So like you have to figure out which one can it reach that has the most impact so a set of priorities. So you have to figure out which one has the, the most effect on the game, which essentially you're just trying to figure out which one a regular character could do. So you have to both take its turns as if you're playing for a regular character, not just randomly put stuff out. And then you also have to let it cheat. 
figuring out generally figuring out what stuff it can do that's the worst like with many other games that's annoying to have to figure out because i don't want to have to do math we talked about it for between two cities where i have to do a bunch of math to figure out what would be best for it Jonah with this one, mm-hmm. I'm quite aware of what would be best for it because I know exactly where I don't want it to go. And now I have to pick where I don't <laughs> want it to go. So generally, that's not, that doesn't take too much effort to be able to figure out. It's generally quite clear. But yeah. you have to, yeah, you're burning the candle at both ends here, guys. You want me to play as best I can for it, and then you want to let it cheat? And then you want to <laughs> let it cheat? That's getting back for all the times that people play a game solo and and cheated. And you know what? I, I didn't really roll that one. I'm gonna let's just roll again. It, it yeah. didn't count anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's a not, not that I've ever done that. Cheating <laughs> game. Sorry. It's it's fun. I'm not gonna say it's not fun. It is enjoyable to play it. But if you're playing the multiplayer and if for you it's it's enjoyable for a solo game to not be a different version of the game using the same components. If that's something that's important to you and it is important to me, I I have mm-hmm. difficulty recommending this as a solo game, even though it's a lot of fun, even though it's enjoyable to play. If that's important to you, be forewarned. <laughs> See, I find that interesting because that's only relevant if you're ever going to play the multiplayer game anyway. There's but if you're going to get the game for strict solitaire play, then what's the matter if it doesn't match a multiplayer version? I mean, I suppose, but I just cannot imagine getting a game like this for strict solitaire play either. Okay. Uh, I, I just okay, well, that's, that's an important uh, thing to say, too. That, that's good to know. Because it misses out on what I feel like is a lot of the charm of this kind of game, which is being able to play it in that kind of team group. Mm-hmm. And you did say that. That's right. I like that. But if you are going to play a multiplayer, it sounds like it is a good game anyway. To, I really to think play it's solitaire. a very good game to play. I think it's a good game to play solitaire. I think it's enjoyable to play it, assuming your son doesn't tear up a card, child. <laughs> and another nice thing about this game is that it sounds like that if you play the solitaire game, it doesn't necessarily um, it um, give you an advantage next time you play multiplayer. Because because it's playing a little bit different. No, it does. So. Because you still want to be acting as as mm. um, quickly as possible okay. and going as fast as possible to react. Like the the ability to analyze what is the best way to achieve an objective is still there. It's just that sometimes you're like I'm winning, but I'm actually losing. <laughs> okay. So you can mess yourself up, but it, it definitely will make you a better player. Okay. I, I do find that a little annoying sometimes in a game that if I play it solo, it it gives me an unfair advantage against other people in a multi- multiplayer game. And that makes me not want to play some game solo that I would be able to otherwise because it makes it less fun for my family later on when I beat them. I hear you with that. Yep, I scored 100. You guys got three each. Hmm, I won again. I, I think the fact that this is a team <laughs> game kind of reduces that because yeah. you're talking out another player and sometimes you will like help out the other team. Like if you hear something, like you know, you'll say like, hey. <laughs> or, or even when you're discussing your strategy, like, hey, I would really hate if they did that. Anyway, take your turn, guys. <laughs> That's funny. Sounds like you know how to play with kids. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> But I will say the customer service for this game is excellent. Mind Clash Games is great customer service. 
Oh, really? Okay. That's good to know, too. Oh, Mind Clash Game has excellent customer service. That's good to know. Maybe I'll tell the story after the credits roll. Nice. <laughs> Let's bring it home. Did you have any fi- uh, final comments? No, I'm glad to have heard about this game. I think it looks beautiful. It's really neat looking. Um, it seems a little bit overwhelming in terms of rule, but it sounds like it's it's worth the effort. I echo all those comments. I think that it was it it is very enjoyable to play. I think that if you are going to enjoy playing a team game multiplayer, it is highly worth a look at. I think if you're going to play it solo and never play the multiplayer game and have plenty of money to get a very, very beautiful game, it's worth a look at. If you are playing it solo because you like a multiplayer game with any good solo opponent, I'm not sure it's worth a look at. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Julius. Have a good night, everybody. Bye, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. So I actually had the opportunity to play this. So as part of whenever we're playing for reviews, we try and play the game multiple times. Um, I played it again recently um, with my son. Now my son is six, almost turning seven. Um, So the amount of influence that he can have on the game is perhaps minimal. (laughs) Most Mm -hmm. there because the game is beautiful and gorgeous and he's enjoying sort of watching me play with the pieces and sort of giving his own input and weird decisions. So I'll explain things to him. He's, you know, he plays a fair number of games. This one is beyond him. He's more just enjoying being there with me while I play the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Quite a lot of people play video games with their child by handing them the controller that's unplugged. <laughs> Never thought of that. So really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he was hanging out with me and we were enjoying the game and we finished up the whole game and he was helping me score the points and it was getting late in the day. And I said, okay, you know how to score points. Here is the stack of pieces from the middle of the game. And here's everything we're supposed to score up together. Can you total this together? He's six for practicing math. This was a great little math question. for Perfect. Him. So he scores it up. And then as soon as he's done, he said, we won by one point. I'm like, wait, we we did? I totaled it a moment ago, and I thought we were losing. He said, we are? Are you sure? I'm like, I thought so. <laughs> Can you <laughs> hand me back the score pile? He's like, no, I went and sorted and put it all back in the box. I'm like, that was, the, <laughs> that was the first thing that you put back in the box, is you put all the pieces back together and put them back in the box. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So two and a half hours of that game. <laughs> and, well, sounds like you won by a point. Yeah, Good job. Possibly. So <laughs> we, we pack up the whole game, we put it away. Now then, 
Um, my son is a fan of playing zombie kids with us, which is the legacy game. And mm-hmm. he's play pandemic legacy or charterstone or various other games so i had left out one card the rules reference card for which was for the ego side which they were playing the bad guys um so i had left out of the box the rules reference card i it's just, I, I left it out left on the table and i come back and found that he had torn it in half it's like why did you do that and he said, it was left out. I thought it was a legacy card. I thought it was a legacy <laughs> card. Like you tear up the legacy oh, rule cards. Like no, 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 no. <laughs> so Mind Clash has excellent customer service. I emailed them. I explained to them what happened. They're like, "Got no problem with you. We will send it out post haste." And they actually sent it out in a, a hard plastic sleeve, like no messing. They sent me a single card in a hard plastic sleeve. Um, wow, okay. Back into the box. Um, but yes, that definitely Mind Clash has excellent customer service on the on replacing this kind of those kind of <laughs> That's nice, yeah. <laughs> That's a fun experience. Maybe he'll have learned now. Right. Hopefully he doesn't do that again. He's six. I'm confident they don't ever learn. <laughs> no, they they don't, because recently my son and I were playing a, a game, Machi Coral Legacy, which is a legacy game. And I went and ripped up cards, not knowing I shouldn't, even though it said, set them aside, don't destroy them. Okay. So, yeah, you know, at my age, I still haven't learned. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I ripped up the cards and later on I said, oh, but it says here at the back of the rule book you could use them later when you after you finish a campaign. Very good. Well, not in a four player game. <laughs> so, yeah, no, people don't learn. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I think with that, okay. I will call to close and wish everyone a good night from this little bit of bonus. Yes, Have good night. The trials and tribulations of raising children. Albert, push <laughs> the button. Push the button so we don't forget. Wait, did you click record? Are we recording? I clicked record. Are we live. We are. I mean, live-ish. Yes. <laughs> Recorded live. <laughs> which makes more sense than say if we recorded our own talk and then recorded that later what? everything's recorded well the, what would you do if you're not recording something live you're going to record it recorded you're dead <laughs> you, you do it we each record our side of the conversation and then play them back to each other later I think that would actually make a record. really funny thing <laughs> it probably would be super interesting yes <laughs> Oh, poor Albert. Now you have to edit this. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> One number of one eight.